0: Trademarks owned by Beckel AB to CV, 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.
1: I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take
2: on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or
1: wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian.
1: I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that Boston next.
4: Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir heart now. Oh, Down goes Duffy on oh, Frank does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh my goodness. I can't believe
3: there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny
0: Florian. If only COVID-19 was going away when the calendar turned. It's our final episode of this here dreadful 2020. Not so dreadful on the UFC front, of course, but final episode of the year. Episode 281 of the Anakin Florian podcast. It's Sunday, December 20th. The year is 2020. Thanks for closing the closet, Ken Flo. It's good to see you, man. <laughs>
4: Exactly. I don't want you to see the monsters in there. Uh, It's good to see you as well. Uh, 2020 was pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we're going to say
0: goodbye shortly to it. And uh, I'm excited to talk fights, man. So the final show of the year can be an undertaking as we try to shine a positive light on all of the performances and performers and athletes of 2020. But earlier today we went through some of the nominations and the nominees for our sixth annual award show, which is coming up on Sunday, January 3rd. So we'll be dark next week catch our uh, collective breaths a little bit, and then we will be back with our award show. And uh, it's an undertaking, right, going through the UFC list of events all the way back through January. I know that we forgot some things. So our exercise this morning was to try not to forget because we just filmed our UFC best of 2020. And as you alerted me to this morning, uh, we didn't even mention Yuri Prohaska in five hours on a, a television set. So uh, not a perfect exercise, but we got some work to do today, some big performances over the weekend. So let us get into headlines and we will begin with uh, UFC fight night, Thompson versus Neil final UFC offering of the year. And how about Steven Wonderboy boy Thompson? I mean, I think Jeff Neal is an exciting fighter and his future is certainly bright, but This is the best kickboxer in MMA. Is he not in Steven Wonderboy Thompson and on any given Saturday night with respect to that tough stylistic championship matchup against Usman, uh, this is the best welterweight in the world on any given Saturday night for me. What'd you think of Steven Wonderboy Thompson at 37, 38 years old?
4: Uh, There's, there's no question. I, I think that, um, when you see Wonderboy, uh, do that to someone like a Jeff Neal and make it look easy over the course of 25 minutes. Now, I wouldn't say easy, but you could certainly see that he's a completely different level of striker, uh, against a guy like Jeff Neal, who is very, very good and very dangerous. Um, it just shows there's levels to this game and wonder boy, when he is on man, he does things that other guys. Only dream of being able to do, you know, his footwork, his angles, his timing, his ability to counter you, his stance switches, his leg game, his, his boxing, his ability to attack your body, go upstairs, attack your leg. The guy can do it all. And, and man, he makes it look good. Uh, and, and he also happens to be tough as hell as well. If, oh you looked my at, if you saw his knee, you're like, how the hell was this guy even fighting? It looked like he had like a tumor giant tumor inside his leg. He fought through that. He was actually kicking uh, Jeff Neal with it. He's a special, special fighter, man. And uh, I'm afraid that when he
0: goes away, eventually, we're not going to see anything like it. He's so unique. That's what I was thinking last night. There's never going to be another guy like this. And you said when he is on, right? And they even said on the commentary last night when he is on. And then I think Daniel Cormier followed it up and said, when is he not on? Right, right. He always seems to be on. I mean, there have been some. Improvements. He has acknowledged that he's a much better fighter now than he was five years ago. Mm-hmm. But gosh, I mean, you had to feel good betting on this guy. Two minutes in, you felt like you could, you know, start walking to the fucking window. Yeah, I mean, he is so special. I will say this: there
4: are times, there are times where Wonder Boy, I, I don't want to say he he checks out at all because that is not the case. But there is a certain laziness at times because he is maybe tooling you so much that yeah, maybe he yeah. his focus is is lost for uh, some seconds here and there during a fight. But man, uh, the 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 style that he has brought into the octagon is something special. He's the kind of guy that when he competes. He ups the level for everybody else. You see what is possible as a mixed martial arts fighter. And he's done that since the first time he stepped in the octagon. You knew there was something different. And there were a lot of people out there that were trying to steal what he was doing out there yeah. successfully. So um, we're we're going to miss him. I tell you right now, I, again, I, I still think he's got uh, some other uh, phenomenal fights left in him. There's oh, no yeah. doubt about that. But, man, are we going to miss someone like Wonder Boy?
0: I think he's got at least four or five good fights left in him, if not more. I yep. mean, maybe he has a style that could extend. I mean, he hasn't absorbed a lot of concussive damage in the UFC, save for the uh, Anthony Showtime Pettis fight. And and what a scalp that is now in retrospect for, for Anthony Showtime Pettis on his resume. But uh, yeah, man, run out of superlatives with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. What a pleasure to just watch him compete and do that to Jeff Neal. He's stronger. He's bigger. Uh he's huge, man. Big feet just owns that twenty-five-footer. Some suggested that maybe the smaller octagon would benefit Jeff Neal's style. And certainly right. I think made it easier for Neal to get into some clinch situations. But Jeff Neal had toughness, he had heart, he had cardio. He didn't have his head coach Safe Saud. I think it was a COVID-19 issue. I, I did reach out to uh to Safe before the show this morning, but I didn't hear back. But uh just incredible to dust Jeff Neal like that, fifty to forty-five across the board. And for me, in terms of what's next for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. With respect to Jeff Neal, I thought this was the worst stylistic matchup for him. And and I know Jeff Neal had a hard time getting a fight. I I don't think people are burning up McMaynard's phone asking to to fight Jeff Neal. But Neal doesn't bring a lot of wrestling to the table offensively, Kenny. And I think this was a real tough matchup for him. For Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, I want to see him fight the champion. I know there are other fights out there, obviously first for Kamaru. But uh, my appetite after that performance and the Luke performance is to see him fight for the belt. I mean, what do you think is next for Thompson and and how realistic do you think it is that he would be one win away or maybe zero wins away from a title shot again?
4: I do love that matchup. I, I think it's intriguing for a couple reasons, right? I mean, you have Kamaru Uzman, who is the best wrestler in the division from what we've seen in a mixed martial arts contest. Kamaru, for me, has shown that he has some phenomenal wrestling uh, and has been dominant with it. You have the most dominant wrestler taking on in my opinion, the most dominant striker uh, or the most elite striker in that division. So for that reason alone, it's intriguing. But everything that Wonderboy has accomplished up to this point, I think he's deserving of it. And um, I think he offers up a style that would be very tricky for a Kamara Usman. Usman's fought a lot of guys, and he has a ton of experience. He has not fought anyone like a Wonder Boy. So for that reason
0: alone, uh, I would love to see it. And Ken Flo, if you come up with a list of guys who you would take to beat Wonderboy in the welterweight division right now, I think it would be a very short list. There are obviously some stylistically challenging matchups, but I think the Nashville fight against Pettis was maybe March of 2019, if memory serves. And here we are almost two years later. If I would have told you that night that he would be back in welterweight title contention, you would have said no fucking way. And uh, here is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, super relevant. And uh, he's almost too good a guy, though. You know, like my twin brother's almost like too good, like too fucking nice. You know, it's like (laughs) so nice to my mom. He's so nice to my mom and I'm nice to my mother too. But like sometimes enough is enough. I mean, you know, although I will say when you're the winning athlete, I have far more tolerance for the pre round five hug. When you're down on the scorecards, Jeff Neal, whom I love, you need those 10 seconds. We can't afford to have the little pre fight (laughs) hug, you know, uh, but glad the headbutt didn't play a role. Once I saw yes. that Rob Monroe was working that Jeff Neal cut, I knew that uh, that they were in good hands. But uh, tremendous main event performance for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And I do believe that Jeff Neal is going to find himself in main events. I think he proved that he's a main event fighter. Uh, but Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, I was a little bit surprised. Ken Flo, it was a significant strike record for Wonderboy in the UFC. I think 171 lands for him. I didn't think this was his, his uh, most... Uh, offensive performance or most, you know, volume filled offensive performance. But I guess statistically it was. So uh, congrats to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and uh, Ken Flo in those uh, South Carolina waters right now. You guys got to feel pretty good down there about Simpsonville's uh, Wonderboy Thompson.
4: (laughs) Excuse me. He's he's amazing. And again, I would say this. I think there's other guys who can be effective like a Wonderboy in that they can throw some of the same things. I was impressed with His volume that night, actually, I I thought that, yeah, you've seen other guys who will throw a lot of volume, but they'll get hit a whole lot. And Wonderboy, I thought, balanced that volume well with a lot of those, um, you know, angles and uh, movements. And uh, so uh, for me, I I just I don't see a whole lot of guys being able to do what Wonderboy can do or ever will be able to do. And uh, again, just a pleasure to watch, as you said. And Jeff Neal, to his credit, I think a lot of people would have gone home, at least checked out mentally. Jeff Neal kept coming forward. He kept looking for a way to win. You got to get him, give him credit for that. Um, You know, even though he was outgunned, he kept coming forward, kept looking for a way uh, to try to knock out. Wonder boy was not successful, even with the the hurt leg at the end. And uh,
0: it, it was just a tremendous way to end the year. And the maestro Cody Merrow texts me that all three of Jeff Neal's corner men got COVID and he couldn't see out of one of his eyes for four rounds that according to his Instagram. So next level toughness, as we have come to expect from Jeffrey Neal spelled G-E-O-F-F on the Jeff. I love that G-E-O-F-F. We'll see what they do with Wonderboy Thompson. Great main event. Co-main event, Jose Aldo over Marlon Chito Vera, 29, 28 times three. I had it 30 to 27 for the king of Rio de Janeiro. I'm not trying to be funny here. Like I needed Jose Aldo tattoo at this point. I don't know how else to pay proper respects. And as I'm wearing my one more round Kenflo walkout t-shirt today, by the way, let's see if I can turn around and not compromise audio or video. I mean, can you guys see that Kenflo on the back of the t-shirt right now? Can you see that? Oh, I can see it. Look at that. I mean,
4: this thing of beauty. I this mean, is, is not that the match.
3: shirt that he walked out is in? The
0: shirt. That is the shirt. That
4: was
3: Well, one of them. unwashed. Maybe not
0: the actual one. but Not the actual one, unfortunately. I mean, a little bit of a ride down the totem pole on Team Florian for me. I paid for this out of my own <laughs> pocket. But we're wearing it today out of respect for Ken Flo, who, of course, as many of you know, did go 25 minutes with the King of Rio, Jose Aldo, back in 2011. And what was Ken Flo's retirement fight? I – absolutely love Jose Aldo and I I knew from the strut when he was walking out that uh that he was going to be a real problem. How you how do you get him off of your body when he's got that body triangle? I mean, talk us through it Canflo. Great performance for Jose Aldo and uh obviously a disappointing little hiccup here for uh Ecuador's Marlon Chito Vera.
4: You you got to sneak a shank into the octagon, John, but uh, some something right. tells me that's an illegal move. Yeah. Uh you know, it's just probably not going to happen, especially in round 3. But listen, yeah, I I agree with you. It looked like Jose Aldo was absolutely focused and ready to go. He was he was really on uh, from the beginning of that fight. I thought that, um, he, again, his body punches were on full display Dude. against Gido Vera. You know, there's just not many guys that know how to attack the body in mixed martial arts. Uh, Jose Aldo has established himself over the last few years as the best in the game when it comes to getting you to miss and landing shots to your liver or landing shots to your solar plexus. The guy is just a phenomenal body puncher. And that is a high level skill in striking. You just don't see that every day. And that is a skill that he has developed a little bit later in his career. So kudos to Jose Aldo for continuing to develop his game. But he fought a guy who was very motivated, long and rangy like Cheeto Vera, uh, who was as tough as they come, a black belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Um, has really turned it on when it comes to his striking game. Um, And it was still, in my opinion, a a pretty dominant performance for him. Um, I I thought, uh, you know, Cheeto had his moments. There's no doubt about it. Uh, He had some good uh, kicking going on uh, from the outside, got some good clinches going, couldn't hit the
0: takedown. But Jose Aldo was just tremendous last night. I felt like the fight was maybe more one sided than most did. I mentioned the 30 to 27, and I'm not going to sit here and say it was a listless performance for Cheeto. I would never question his conditioning. We've talked historically about his commitment and his focus, but uh, I don't know, man. I just uh, I guess I expected it to be a more competitive fight, and uh, there are some who are sort of. I know Sean O'Malley, it's easy for him to sit around right with that loss to Cheeto to scream for the rooftops that Cheeto's not any good. But I do believe there is a segment of people who are who are saying, oh, there are levels to this, you know. Um, but this was a big we saw we're going to get to Rob Font, you know, when these big fights materialize, you know, he took advantage of the of the O'Malley one. But I don't know. I just expected uh, I expected more from Cheeto. He was totally neutralized in that third round. I mean, I don't know. Can't happen yeah listen, I, I think Jose Aldo has so much
4: experience. He's fought at the highest level. And when you go back and you watch the Piotr Jan fight, like it wasn't like Jan completely dominated him. you know that he was he was winning the early portion of that fight. He looked tremendous early on. yeah he he started to fade uh, at the end of the fight, and Jan really turned it on. However, um I, again, I, I think that if you beat someone like a Jose Aldo, you're absolutely going to be elite at this point. Like uh, Aldo isn't necessarily the same guy that he was, uh, you know, several years ago. Yeah. However, he's still one of the best guys and he will give absolute fits to anyone in that top five. I don't care who you are. At 145 and 135, he's just that
0: good and he has that much experience, John. And if someone can come up with a good tattoo idea. Like I thought about the, you could do the King emoji and then the Rio, the Brazil flag, right? King of Rio. I think that's the most sensible way to go, but I think we can do better. So if anybody in the, uh, Anakin Florian podcast stratosphere has an idea for a Jose Aldo tattoo, I'm all ears because a good idea gets uh, forever inked on my body. Um, We will get to uh, Michelle Pareda, but I do want to get to Rob Font here in the context of this Bantamweight division and a huge win over perennial top contender and former title challenger Magic Marlon Marais. How about the Lemonster, Massachusetts born Robbie fucking Font, Ken I mean, not since Ken Flo was selling seats at the TD garden. Did I get this excited about a couple athletes? We got font and cater, you know, people are going to try to ground Rob font. Almost anybody I would think in the top 10 is going to try to, uh, to take him down stylistically. I thought he passed some challenges, uh, but ice is another story. Uh, at times I thought looked like a shot fighter, but for Rob font, Kenny, this is the biggest win of his career. And, uh, Tyson Chartier is doing a lot of good things up there in New England. And obviously for, for you and me as native New Englanders, it's hard not to be happy about what's going on in, uh, in those Massachusetts waters there. hundred percent. Listen, this was easily the biggest fight of his biggest win of his career. Um,
4: and I thought that Marais did a good job switching things up. I mean, he certainly surprised me with that double leg and was doing his best to try to take advantage of that positioning. It was not to be. Rob Font was prepared for anything that was going to happen last night. Um, I thought that not only did his striking look sharp once he found his rhythm, but his grappling, he seemed calm and composed, did a great job of not allowing Morais to really get quality position, didn't allow Morais to land anything on the ground, uh, did a great job of sweeping Morais, getting on top. Um, he looked comfortable even when he was in that tight kind of guillotine. Uh, he put his head to the right side. He just looked very comfortable everywhere. Uh, and it, it was just great to see. And to see Rob Fond go out there and just, and then start to take the fight to Morais. Oh, Morais did not expect that. And I, I hate to say this, but Morais has kind of established himself as a little bit of a bully type fighter. Not that he's a bully, you know, personality, but when he's kicking your ass, he's unbelievable. But yeah. when he's taking shots and when he's taking damage, he tends to fold and again i'm not sure if this was kind of a part of the game plan of Rob Font and his team but Rob Font just let him know hey listen i'm not going anywhere i'm going to get right back in your face i'm going to jab you i'm going to back you up and from there it was just all font uh so just a huge win a phenomenal win for Rob Font and his team it was great to see he was clearly emotional he's had a rough year as far as injuries and all that stuff yeah so yeah, th- Rob Font is, is now poised to really make a run at the belt, in my opinion. You could see his talent early on, but now it really is all
0: coming together. I mean, you wouldn't pay to watch him kickbox Piotr Jan. I know there are hurdles there, obviously, but uh, but I'm excited, man. I really am excited to see what Rob Font can do from here. We talked to Jack Hermanson before his main event against Marvin Vittori and Ken Flo. He said, as a grappler, that 80% of his training is striking. And he's closed a lot of gaps. We've seen market improvements, obviously, for Jack or I wonder for Rob Font, such a natural striker. I mean, I love that jab. How much of his training is grappling? Is it 75% right? Because I just think you have to just grapple and wrestle just as much as humanly possible, right, and try to get your cardiovascular system conditioned to those situations because, That that's going to be the key to taking that. I know the $50,000 bonus is nice. The top five is nice, but it's like, we're trying to get on the fucking duck boats on Causeway street. You need to, you need to be wrestling 75% of the time. Right? Absolutely. Listen, you know, if there was a title for mixed martial arts, it should be mixed
4: martial arts, brutal honesty required because that's what it takes. You have to look at your weaknesses every single day and go, am I doing what I need to do to get better as a mixed martial artist. And to me, it was clear that Rob font just looked different as a grappler. I think if he fought Morais three years ago, he probably would have been submitted or been grounded out and, and lost that fight. Yeah. Um, he's just moving way different. He knew exactly what to do with his hips, how to angle his body. His positioning was much better. Uh, and he's on the right track man that that's exactly what he needed i think that was always a deficiency in his game uh when you saw some of the losses that he had in the past um so it seems like he's a way more confident fighter because of that and
0: uh again just just an aw- just an
4: awesome win for him
0: I think a lot of it's going to be about health, as you sort of alluded to. I feel the same way about Calvin Cater, you know, had some uh, hand injuries after the Dan Ige fight, but I think for a lot of these guys, uh, it's just about staying healthy when those big fights materialize, and maybe it'll be Jose Aldo for Rob Font. I love where Bantamweight is at right now. Can you imagine Cody Merrow if we had like a Boston versus New York thing with Aljamain Sterling and Rob Font down the line fighting for the fucking belt? I mean, my, my heart would be torn a little bit, but... <laughs> Kenflow, I mean, are you kidding me? Like font versus Sterling. Sorry, Al Joe. Just Sorry make it a whole Aljo. New York. It should be a whole New York versus Boston COD. That's right. Let's do it. We'll get Ken out of retirement. Get Kenflow yeah. back in the United States anti-doping agency protocol. <laughs> filling out the whereabouts forms, Kenflo, right? Tell everybody then, hey. Then everybody would know where you are. It's like, where's Waldo right now? Nobody knows where Kenflow is. You fill out those fucking whereabouts forms. Well, oh, I'm very man. happy for, uh, for Rob Font and that entire team, just a few good men right there. So we'll see, uh, how they spin it forward with Rob Font. I think the Aldo fight makes sense. I'm not in the business of eliminating contenders. And I think both of them are, uh, are creeping on a championship fight. But, uh, what about Marlon Moraes? I mean, a shot fighter, that's not a nice thing to say. I didn't really right. mean it. Um, but I don't think he can take a shot the same way. <laughs> um, you know, Goddard certainly, I think was the referee allowed him to take a, a take a couple to make sure that uh, it was good night. You know, what'd you think of, uh, what do you think about Marlon moving forward? Be honest with me. This is what I think. I
4: think that it's going to be extremely difficult for him to get back to where he was as champ. Um, I think that, you know, listen, the blueprint is out on Marlon uh, in, in a lot of ways I don't know what this is going to do for his confidence after suffering yet another setback and yet another knockout. I mean, these are the kind of things that really destroy fighters, both physically and mentally. Um, and, you know, it just, it's that much more evidence that this is probably the most difficult sport in the world. Okay. Because you can absolutely be on the top of the mountain one day and at the on the bottom, slipping just to make your way just to get started on that mountain. And Marlin was a former champion. And if we're being honest another loss, john, or or maybe even after yeah. this loss, it it might be over in the u s. that That's how crazy this is. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it so many times before with former champions that are now you just kind of forget about him. You're like, what what yeah. happened to that yeah. guy? I mean, yeah, it's it's wild. So, Marlon's gonna have to do some soul searching and, and i think there's some changes that need to be made both technically
0: mentally for him to get back to where he was and if i'm rob Font, i'm hopping on fucking route 128 i'm going to the florian marshall center in brookline massachusetts there on webster street or whatever it is right i'm starting privates with keith even if keith makes me wear the gi you know whatever it takes but rob font uh got to bring a championship back to the great state of Massachusetts. All right. Longo coming up in, uh, in about three minutes, but quickly Ken flow, uh, chaos Williams over Michelle Pareda by unanimous decision. Oh wait, my scorecard doesn't matter. So I had chaos winning okay. that fight. Uh, okay. and maybe you didn't, I mean, yeah, close fight, you know, robbery certainly is not the way to put it, but I had Williams up two nil going into the third. Uh, but again, you know, Judges are going to uh, do what they're going to do, and uh, I'm sure there were plenty of people out there that sh- thought Michelle Pereira did enough to win. I like both fighters. I like the fight out. What did you think of the feature about there at welterweight kit?
4: I thought they got it right with Pere- Pereira, but, I, you know, would, have I, would, would I have had a problem if Chaos Williams won? No, not really. To me, it just wasn't a great fight, and it really wasn't, wasn't a great demonstration of skill from either guy, in my opinion. And I thought Pereira showed that he has uh, more weapons uh, but, you know, I, I I tweeted this last night. And for Chaos Williams, there's no question this is a powerful dude. This is a guy who is a good athlete. He's strong. He's focused. He's tough. Is he a skilled fighter? Would I say he's a skilled fighter after seeing him last night? No. I, I don't think he's the kind of guy that is going to be elite at this stage of the game. He has a lot of, uh, I think, maturing and a lot of learning to do yet, um, which which is tricky. You know, and I said this yesterday, you know a lot of times we are just so tuned in to what the eye sees and we don't really see a lot of the little things that goes on that that go on during a fight. And just because someone goes out there and starches another dude in 20 seconds, I I think we have to be very careful of how much uh, weight we put on those wins because again, it takes two to tango and there's a lot of other people making some stupid mistakes out there that can make a guy like a chaos Williams look very, very good. Um, And, when you see these quick knockouts, we don't we don't get the opportunity to see truly what the guy has to offer. Pereira yeah. is not a wrestler. He's not this high-level dude who's who has 30 fights in the UFC, who is even close to being ranked at this point at 170 pounds. And it, whether you think he won or not, if he's struggling against a guy like a Pereira at this point in the game and showing that he doesn't have a whole lot of offense from there – I don't know. You can't be a one-trick pony in this sport. I don't care how hard you hit. you got to be able to hit the target, and you need more than just one weapon. So, uh, you know, Chaos will have some work to do. He's not in a horrible spot by any means, uh, but uh, I think this will be one of those. We'll find out what Chaos is is made
0: uh, made of after this one. Tremendous assessment and analysis. This is one of the few times that I did not read the Kenny Florian Twitter page before the show. And, Cody, I'm fucking paying for it. No, this is not funny. This is not funny. I'm paying for it. I'm so much fucking dumber about this stuff than you. Always will be. Always have been. No, but it is. It's a very thoughtful thing. And the thing is, too, is that – commentary, right. Uh, you know, we are promoters at times, right. And uh, let's be clear, you know, like we don't work for the network. We work for the promoter. That doesn't mean that we are wont to criticize when the athletes deserve it. But if you're looking for super constructive stuff, uh, that you can really learn from, uh, I think there are a lot of different conduits through which you can get that information. And my best recommendation on fight night, if he's watching at Kenny Florian, that's all I got on that. Uh, people are going to hate me, but thank you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cody. We got to come up with some, uh, some like alternate handle, like hostile flow or something. I'm sure it's gone. Hey, if you're looking for, uh, the ultimate stocking stuffers for this holiday season, look no further because our sponsors manscaped had the tools to make you win this year's Stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. See as many of you know, Manscaped truly is a company that is ahead of its time. It's the only brand dedicated to below the waist grooming and hygiene products. And thankfully, for our international listeners and viewers, they have now released their products across Europe, Canada, and Australia. And I've traveled a lot this year. And I don't leave my house without my lawnmower 3.0. Manscaped, though, has a lot more products than just the lawnmower that you've heard about. A lot of these products too are perfect stocking stuffers. If you're looking for some last-minute stuff, the crop preserver ball deodorant, crop cleanser body wash, which is a full body wash that you can also use on your hair, by the way. Kenflo's got the crop mop ball wipes. I think right there in South Carolina, he's using them after the show. They also have foot duster, foot deodorant, and of course the weed whacker, nose and ear hair trimmer as well. Just like the lawnmower, that has proprietary skin-safe technology. And if you want to help out your partner your spouse, your dad, your brother, your friend. Get them something they'll actually use and maybe get a laugh out of it as well. Manscaped is the place to go. We got a deal for you. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash AF. Manscaped.com slash AF. No promo code required. Just go to the website, manscaped.com slash AF and be the ballsiest gift giver ever with Manscaped. All right, let us get to Raymond Peter Longo. It's
4: now time for
2: the Ray Longo Minute. The Ray Longo
3: Minute, Starring Ray Longo, the John Enick and Kenny Florian podcast.
0: Here to four, Cody. We just got to start speeding on Ray Longo as soon as we put him on camera. We just had a nice couple minutes with the great Raymond Peter Longo <laughs> off the air, and at one point, uh, you went to like grab your hair. Is your hair bothering you today, Ray?
2: Uh, no, my hair. I right? look. I I can't wait to get this get rid of this hair, but. I'm starting to feel a little superstitious. Starting to feel like if I cut my hair now, there's a possibility I get the COVID. Oh. I'm getting wigged out, man. Oh. So I might have to ride this out. The vac- vaccine is right here. <laughs>
4: you should use it as a mask and just have it cover, like take the swipe. back and just yeah. swipe it in the front. I think we're, we're approaching a year. Wow. We're approaching
2: a year of hair growth.
4: I think we should just let it ride. I want to see how long this could go. Like, just uh, let it go all the way down to your ass. Just.
2: I don't think it's, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't believe what I'm looking at sometimes. <laughs> you know, when I walk around my house, nobody even mentions my hair. I don't even know if I'm, I think I'm invisible in my house at this point.
0: <laughs> I kind of want you to turn around so I can see what you look like from behind. <laughs> and I hope people don't take that the wrong way, but I, I want to say. It's like a you kind of a bullet thing me, going
2: that, on. That's a 100% not my good side. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, again, if you're audio only for the Anakin Florian podcast, I think you have no choice but to uh, make your own assessment and check out Ray Longo on video. Cold brew today? That looks like a hot cup of coffee for you. It's 11:38 a.m. Eastern yeah. on a Sunday. Is that a hot coffee today, Ray? Huh? That's a that's a hot tea. Believe it or not. Okay, green tea play. or you go black tea? What kind of tea? Oh, no, green tea always. Green Every tea day always. Day. Yeah. Everything. Metabolically, quite good for you. I've heard. Is that? uh feel like a million petunias. Yeah. So uh, we did not have a barber. Regrettably, reach out and people wonder why I perseverate on raised lettuce. Ken Flo historically great hair. I mean, they've done television segments on Kenny's hair. Oh. I have had an issue with hair since I was a very young kid. Right, I've been shaving my head bald every four or five days essentially since I was fourteen. I have an identical twin brother, as many people know now, who has hair down to his shoulders, but I got an issue with it. Like I can't. I like I want you to get a haircut because I think you yeah. you look. You look more handsome with your haircut. I mean, I really does your wife good. like this look? I mean, what?
2: I like. I tell you, like I told you before, nobody even mentions it. I don't know what's <laughs> going on in my house. I have no idea. My wife, my wife likes me whichever way I am, though. She's one of those people. She's just supportive as hell.
0: I love it. Well, I know we have business to attend to, but as I'm yeah. looking at you, like one of your ears is covered and the other All is right. not. Yeah. It's like, what are we doing, I don't man? I can't see myself. No. All Where right, am I on this thing? Hold
2: on a sec. <laughs>
0: uh, all right uh, wb
2: wb wb let me tell you something masterpiece masterpiece what can you say i mean the guy's gonna be 38 years old how do you not first of all how do you not love him complete you know look at his sportsmanship the guy's Hopefully. mouthpiece comes in. he doesn't even want to hit him i mean that that's confidence too you know that's yeah. just the guy's still having fun at a, at, a, at, a, at a look, the only thing that could get Wonderboy at this point, it looks like, is his age. That's it. Cause he's he, he took a he took a bull. He just that's how you he was the matador in the bull. I, that's what you were looking at. Beautiful footwork, timing fakes. You don't know where he is. Dude, you know, Kenny, it's so frustrating. You go to hit a guy, he's not there, he's behind you, you take your best swing. It, it's a it's frustrating. Then you go to reset, you get sidekicked in the stomach, you got to reset again. And he's not there again. Then you go to hit him. He punches you in the face. Then you get kicked yeah. in the head. Right. I mean, no, it's just he can keep that. I think he could have kept that going for another five rounds. Then he decides to stay in the pocket with the guy the last 30 seconds, let the guy have a little fun. And, he, you know, he didn't have to do that. He had that fight right. one hands down. You know, I don't know what round that guy's corner thought he had won in that fight, but I, I, I you know, I think they told him he won the third round. You need a couple more like that. I don't think he was – I don't even think that was remotely close. I mean, that was just uh, – man, beautiful. I don't know what else to say. I mean, his angles are unbelievable. You know, he gets it. He could do it at a high level. And, again, the fact that he's going to be 38 years old, that that type of style is normally the first thing that goes. You know, we had this discussion with uh, with, like, Tyson and Jones, you know. So – yeah, the God bless him, man. And I'll tell you, it couldn't be, couldn't happen to, you know, success couldn't be for a for a nicer guy. And I and I'll tell you, I'd love to see the uh N-M-N-F-F against the uh baddest motherfucker about me. And that's a bad wow. fight for Jose. You'll never see it. You know, that's a bad fight for Jorge. It really is. Wow. You know, it was the first
4: fight. I think he's a I don't tough think fight for everybody. Change. Yeah. I mean, forever. he already beat, he already beat Masvidal, right? I mean, yes. I'll, I'll say this, you know, there, there's good strikers, there's great strikers, and then there's master level strikers. Wonder Boy is a master at yeah. what he does. It's just, you could see it. The, the guy is special.
2: Yeah. And because Masvidal is phenomenal. He is, yes. I, I, I love watching him fight, but this is just never gonna be a good matchup for him. I think he knows it too, but let's let's do it. Nice guys finish last. That's what we call it. Nice guys finish last. Let's see if that's
0: true. You know, I can sit, sit here and say major missed investment opportunity last night on Steven Wonderboy Thompson. For those out there that were not on that side, you know, depending on what the matchup is for him next, I understand the difficult navigation with a Kamara Usman fight, but my gosh, I mean, I just feel as the sports better in me who is contractually prevented from betting on this stuff, Ken flow, like to be sitting home, feet up with action on Wonderboy last night, two minutes in, you know? It's yeah. like you could go to the bathroom and feel pretty confident that uh, that no harm was really going to happen. Just so good seeing everything defensively. Just masterpieces, right, Ray? Yeah. So what do you think they do with him now? Because I didn't have a huge appetite to see him fight for the belt going in last night, but now I really do.
2: I got to tell you, I, I, you know, look, I tweeted something last night. You got to give the guy a shot. He's getting older. But again, from a business standpoint, he's an older athlete, you know, do you invest money in these guys? I mean, the, the, what Dana said a couple of weeks ago, it looks like anybody who's making money, who's like on the, you know, the back end of, you know, over like 36, what, how much money do you put into a guy? Like what, how much right. longer can wonder boy last? That's the key. And that's, and I think that's going to be the decision because he probably on any given night could beat anybody. I mean, you talk about people say, Romero's the best guy never to hold a title. This guy's the best guy to never have a title because he's fighting. He's making guys look silly. Right. You know what I mean? He's, he, he, I, I thought between the Luque fight and this fight, I, he just he took two really tough, strong guys yeah. that bring it and just made them
0: unbelievable, look man. Like
2: amateurs, you know what I mean. And I think that put that fight together, Luke a against Neil. I think that's a great fight. You know, I like that. you know what I mean. Because yeah. those guys will stand up, they'll, they'll trade that, you know. But, but if you're a linear fighter with Wonder Boy, you have major problems. It's <laughs> like if you're a guy that's coming forward, you know. That's why even like. Um, Woodley just sat against the cage. He had to make it a boring fight. That was the only way to really
0: do it. Yes, yes. You know, and oh. he had the power to to do that. You know, but as Ken Flo well knows, Tyron talks painstakingly about how hard it was to twice prepare for five round fights against Stephen Waterboy Thompson. So yeah, uh, I just
2: think this a guy who should get a title shot, but I don't know how yeah. much we're gonna do. That's why I think the Masvidal fight is perfect. You have two guys that are getting a little older that are good. Yeah. Uh, they both can probably draw my yeah. balls to it. And, and, and again, if they do yeah. it with the baddest motherfucker against the nicest motherfucker, yeah.
0: see, I, I mean, yeah, that BMF can... stuff that doesn't do anything for me. I, I guess I just feel like it's a fight we've seen and welterweight is so compelling that if you gave me a list of the top 15, yeah. I'm sure I could find somebody that, uh, the, but Hey, I mean, you know, well, guess... most people agree with you. Okay. No, no, You're the star I... of the show. I mean, yeah,
2: no, no, no. It's uh, look, I, I agree with what you just said, but I think if they have the novelty. They already right. did it with Diaz. Right. It looked right. like I You, I you know you. what I mean? Then you, you. Know, I'm just saying, entertainment-wise, you bring yeah. in the Rock yeah. and you bring in yeah. another nice guy. You know to hold the other belt. I don't know. You could sell that yeah. fight easy. I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, is the play-by-play announcer like it's a little tricky writing in a show open for a, a baddest motherfucker belt? You know, a little bit of a di- different navigation, yeah. than, like. The UFC Welterweight Championship, but hey, maybe I'm just uh tight ass mainstream stick and ball guy, but you know. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm
2: actually with you on that. I'm just looking, yeah. I'd just like to see Wonderboy yeah. cash out. Nice. Payday.
0: We have the baddest motherfucker in the sport fighting the NMF belt holder. I mean, what are we doing here? All right. <laughs> so, uh, Jose Aldo, big night for him, big night for the Bantamweight division. I know Aljamain Sterling obviously is going to fight Jan for the belt, uh, but I'm just going to say here, right? Just look out for the Lemonster product out of Massachusetts, Rob Font. You New Yorkers get too comfy, you know? No. A couple hours to the north, we're cannonball coming, man. Aljo gets that belt, man. Us Bostonians, we're fucking coming for that Uh, goal. Let me
2: tell you something. You Bostonians got two really tough blue collar guys with Font and uh, Calvin. I mean, uh, yeah. (laughs) Holy shit, I got to get a hat. What is this? Look at this guy. Let's go. Uh, But no, those two guys, let me tell you something. I love it, man. They both, look, I love guys that that box like that, man. They just got great hands. They go for it. And they're proving that whatever they're doing over there is working because that was a great win for Font. Uh, I say pretty big step up. It looks like he caught this guy at the right time, Marlon, because he just hasn't been the same in the last three or four fights. Even – you know, think about like again, I go back to the mental thing. Think about that. He technically gets the decision over Aldo. They give Aldo the shot. You know, he has a win and he doesn't have a win. Now he's got nothing, completely nothing. So yeah. I kind of feel bad for him. You know what I mean? In that regard, because uh looks like Aldo Aldo's still in there, you know, he's ripping body shots, he looked great. Um and I thought I thought he won every round of that fight. To be honest, I did too. I, did too. I really did. I thought you know, and it, not not that it, I mean, definitely, obviously won. But I just thought Aldo, uh, you know, he's not the same Aldo. But I will tell you what, he's he's not like. See, he, here's the difference. See, like we talked about Ferguson, like like Aldo's got great fundamentals. He always did. You know what I mean? And that's never going to leave you. It's the timing and you know the other the conditioning and you know injuries. Whereas Ferguson, who relied on just really being a Mad Hatter, that's the first shit that goes, you know, when that goes and you don't have like the head movement, you know, and some of the other, you know, techniques to hold you through, it's a problem. But I I like what I saw with Aldo. Like, again, they definitely, you know, a little slower, but man, he still commits to those shots. And, you know, he has to fight in spurts, I think now, but he did a great job. And I don't even know if I just segued off of Rob Font, but Font, you know. he did a
0: beautiful job. It must be all that extra rounds training, that post-fight <laughs> show you're doing on the uh, the Facebook website. we well,
2: were all in the same division, so I lumped them together. But Font, listen, Font did a great job, phenomenal, yeah. against a guy who still has power. You know what I mean? That's yep. the one thing he has. He just looks like now he's struggling mentally with a couple of things, and it's going to be a really, you know, I, I think Marlon, especially with the height. That's where he's having some problems, even though Cejudo, you know, walked him down. But Sanhagen, Font, they were all a lot taller. You know, he was beating like, you know, uh, Sal, Jimmy Rivera. they were all short, stocky guys, which looks like it might be more tailor-made for him. I don't, I don't know, but he's got a long way to go. I don't know if the departure from Mark Henry was a right. big deal. I mean, you know, I just that's an unfortunate situation because I think he's a nice guy. He is what an
0: unforgiving sport. You got anything oh. for me on the, uh, the heavyweights marching Tabora? I didn't think he looked as conditioned as his previous fight, but obviously he was able to get Greg Hardy out of there. Some criticism of Hardy on the ground. I'll let Ken Flo chime in on this too, but, uh, that's the one main main card fight we haven't touched on Did- did you learn anything about Greg Hardy or, or Marching tabor over the weekend?
2: Well, look, you know, look, I, I, you know, I've, I've turned the corner on Hardy because, you know, we've seen, you know, like the Nate Robinson's and guys try to get into the sport. Right. He, his standup look good, man. He's definitely, he's definitely getting better. You know, like as long as like my thing is, as long as the guy's taking it serious and he's doing the right thing, power to him. And I think he, he looks like he'll stand in there with anybody. I thought he had a great first round, now obviously look he's a newcomer to the sport he's done great things i think you know for the time he's been involved you got to give the guy some sort of credit the ground thing was you know pathetic there was not a sign of anything so i think he goes back to the drawing board on the ground and i think based on what i've seen with his stand-up i think he makes the adjustments i think he's an athlete it's not easy kenny's going to tell you that i'm sure but we saw it like absolutely nothing i don't, i was I was a little surprised on that but but the poor, uh, Marcin does have a decent top game, so that was that was good. I enjoyed the fight though I think it was it's going to be a great learning experience for Hardy if he doesn't you know take it the wrong way and uh and hats off to Tabor for beating a guy that's been a problem for a lot of people.
0: Ken Flo, in terms of the ground stuff. And the criticism of Greg Hardy for having next to nothing in terms of resistance. We talked earlier, right, about Jack Hermanson saying he spends 80 percent of his time training on his his glaring weaknesses. Right. I think the expectation is that Greg Hardy is, you know, living in dorms and training hard. And there would have been maybe more to offer at this stage of his career on the ground. What what are you what are your thoughts on all that?
4: Yeah, listen, I think that there were two main problems with with yesterday's performance. Uh, Number one, I don't know if he was pacing himself. I thought he was. I think he thought he was going to put Tybura away in that first round and kind of put all his chips on the table there in that, and that round one. Uh, and in round two, once he got on his back, I, I think not only is he not competent there uh, as a grappler, but he was also exhausted. And I mean, just covering up there, it, he was, that was his tap out. This was his yeah. tap out. That was his way of just right, letting the right. ref go in there to save him. Uh, because he he was not making one movement to get out of there and there was space to do that so to me either he wasn't seeing it or he just didn't want to be there or yeah. it was a combination of both so that was unfortunate because you look at the experience difference in, between him and Tybura he looked like he's been striking for a long time and Tybura looked like he just is kind of starting as a striker right, right. but then the roles the roles were really reversed on the ground so yeah. Um, You know that's a tough way to lose, and and I think for Greg Hardy, he's going to have to figure out: Do I want to do this? Do I want to be better at this? Right. If I do, I'm going to have to put myself in these positions again and again in practice.
2: Without a doubt. And the other thing is, I think you, you brought up a, a really good point that I missed: that the when they they the camera panned over them, the breathing was wow, it was way out of control. So yeah. I yeah. know we did have a problem, and I'm not I'm just saying this because nor that that was unusually. I believe heavy breathing for that. Cause I don't think he did have a good first round. He, Kenny's probably right. He probably thought he had him out. These are all things you learn as a fighter. Like, you know, how to pace yourself and not, you know, blow your load. I don't think it was that big. Maybe there was an asthma component to it because we know he had the inhaler in the past. That looked like a, a panicky breathing to me. I, it just, I'm not a doctor. I don't know, but I, something was, was wrong with that. that I kind of short circled him that possibly could have been it. Cody, what do you
3: got kid? Well, not to sit here and be on the Greg Hardy defense train, but at the same time, it's a lot easier to hit pads in a garage than it is to get into a wrestling room in the middle of this COVID situation. And if you no, have asthma fair. and you're trying to avoid COVID, then maybe that's the thing that, you know, is yeah, lacking this year. That's fair. Heat.
0: That's fair, and he is a uh, an asthmatic and had an inhaler on the NFL sidelines as well, but I just that the big hurdle for him is going to be those grappling situations and to be able to sort of maintain some sort of cardio level. I I don't know. I just think that's, uh, that's the big hurdle for him. And we'll see if he can get over it, but uh, certainly has made a lot of strides on the feet, of course. Um, All right, man, that's all I got for you today. That's it. We're done for, we're done for 2020.
2: That's what you're telling
0: me. Well, I mean, basically (laughs) we're going to segue into our, Anakin Florian Podcast Award nominations. And we don't want to bore you with that noise necessarily. Uh, I will ask you about one category, okay, before I yeah. let you go. It is the Robert Fallis Cornerman of the Year. And we'll have. Loosely five nominations in each category. I have some different names written down. You know, I think Walid Ishmael and Team Figueredo deserve some acknowledgement in 2020 for what they have all collectively done with Davidson. Uh, Ray Longo is nominated every year just as sort of a courtesy for you being on the show. Uh, Eugene Behrman, Jason Perillo, Javier Mendez. As far as I'm concerned, he had one job this year in sort of stepping up for Abdulmanap Nurmagomedov. I know he has a lot of different athletes, but Javier Mendez for what he was able to do mentally with Khabib. Uh, deserves a nomination. Mike Brown, James Krause, Conan Silvera. I mean, there's so many great coaches in the space. I'll probably give the award to Longo. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how I feel in a couple weeks. Oh, they're, they're, this, that could
2: sink the show. Don't do that.
0: Okay, I won't. No, I principally I don't. I don't go out of my way to give New Yorkers awards unless they absolutely uh, earn them. Uh, I'm not say, kidding.
2: I got to tell you that Eugene Bamman, he's doing it. He's uh, he's continued to do a great job. Of yeah, it. I think he's going to be hard to beat. I have Javier. I love. I think he's a down to earth, great guy. Always liked him since the first yeah. day I met him. Uh, good job, also. I mean, he's, you know, he's done great things over there. But Bamman seems to have gotten through to a bunch of people that, yeah. that came, you, know, you know it looks like they they're tight i love i love the cohesiveness and the camaraderie and I, that's got to start from the top and that's uh i like i like i like that guy you have you, you hear him in an interview he's down to earth he's oh yeah he's humble uh yeah I, those are the guys i like and, they, and again javier him they could split it as far as you know. If you're asking for my opinion, which you didn't, right. but I threw it in there anyway.
4: Oh, I love it. That's it's
2: good that, stuff. That's who I am. I interrupt you, and I'm going to continue to interrupt you in 2021, because uh, maybe I'm a bully. Yeah,
0: maybe. A little bit, a little bit. And I'm, gonna, and I'm going to send you. I'm going to send not. you a floby, and you can <laughs> cut your hair with that. Oh, we need that. a floby. I love it. Well at this point I'll bribe you like I mean I'll pay you to get a no. cup, can. It is, you we, can we you can get know, a our whole watch?
4: millennial audience by the way. Yeah, Millennials okay. have no idea what a flobe is. Yeah. Right. No right. way. <laughs> oh Cody doesn't know what
0: a flobe is. Cody
4: doesn't, doesn't know a in
0: 1993.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah you got to look that up Cody. It's a, yeah. it's worth it. But everybody's probably thinking oh. it has something to do with Ken flow. A I
3: have no idea. I know what a Furby, a Furby is a from vacuum, the 90s. It's but.
4: a vacuum razor, essentially,
2: right? right? Is that oh, how yeah.
4: you do a suck cut for your no,
2: hair? Really. It's a Cody, Cody just exactly. said he knows what a Furburger is. That's awesome. Cody no, knows. I know what a Furby is. <laughs> or Furby. He's <laughs> the Furburger.
3: No. <laughs> See, but here's the thing, right? So we had Ray on, you're like, oh, I got to ask you one category. I thought it was had to be hottest male fighter of the year. I mean, if you're going to ask him one question. Right.
0: Right, so we have a category: hottest male fighter of the year. We have hottest female fighter of the year as well. And uh, Ken Flo and I have handed out the hardware in the past. It's going to be a fan fan choice this year because uh, it hasn't worked. You know, it hasn't uh, had Who the. Came up with to- that category. Who came I up? Did. With that? You I did. did. Yeah. And you were well. Against- I, it's a looks competition. Is it okay? Like to acknowledge the attractive fighters? You know? Yeah. Like-
2: Who do you have in that category?
0: Well, I remember one year I gave it to Tyron Woodley. I find him to be a very attractive black man. I'm not afraid to say that.
2: Tyron Woodley.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. You can chew on that. I mean, Aljo gets consideration from me every year. You know, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, The fans, though... I mean, did you leave the hot throb out? John Volante? How could you John Volante did not get a vote this year. Really? Uh, we opened it up to the fans. Uh, I got one vote. My twin brother, Jason, got two votes. Um, Mackenzie <laughs> Wonder Dern. Boy's
4: gotta be, Wonder Boy's got to be in there,
0: Yeah, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson got a vote. Alan Joban wow. gets a lot of consideration. Luke Rockhold. Uh, there are some people who are trying to be funny. Maybe dropping a sapperbag Safarov or a Jake Collier on you. You know. I may have middleweight Jake Collier wins the award. I don't know. It do happen to this show, Kenny. What happened? I
4: don't know. Uh, <laughs>
0: Alexa Grosso was nominated. Uh, Ariane Lipsky, uh, Rose Namajunas, Carolina Kovalchievich, Anthony Lionheart Smith, uh, the Black Beast Derek Lewis saying, you know, hottest, if not most attractive. Pretty funny there. Uh, Roxanne Monteferi, uh Platinum Mike Perry, Valentina Shevchenko. Carlos Carlos Alberg uh I think is a future uh, you know from Dana White's contender series hasn't made his UFC debut yet but certainly a guy who uh probably a perennial contender in this category Amanda Hebos got a lot of votes Lena Landsberg uh, Brian T City Ortega Dustin Poirier uh, Tanner the Bulldozer Bowser nominated for hottest male fighter in 2020 Jean-Wei Lee we got well, a lot of nominations, right? We we know one yeah. thing: we
2: know Derek Lewis has the hottest balls in MMA. That's right. That's <laughs> one thing it's a given. He's told us every it, told year about twenty times after every fight, and yeah. those balls get hotter and hotter each fight. That's right. It's amazing. So,
0: uh, so, do you have any? Did we leave anybody? Oh, Chaz Skelly, his mom has nominated him. Chaz, I think, humbly nominated himself. Uh, that's a good dude, right there. I I don't know if he's gonna, you know get the hardware but pretty nice smile you got anything else before we let you go ray
2: yeah i think it's a toss-up between uh, ben Askren and chase hooper all
0: right that's good that is good
2: that's what i think put those two guys in there Oh uh, what do we got i don't know all right we so got?
0: we are going dark next week we wish you uh, a merry christmas if that applies guys i feel very sad right now
2: i don't Why's know that? i don't even know because when i'm not going to see you for a week this is not good
0: well, uh, maybe we'll do an Instagram live if the, if some some news breaks. So uh, do, I know you like that. Uh, I love it. Stuff, right? I
2: like being up on the technology. I like it. You got and that I
0: Robin Hood uh, investing application on your phone, Ray, or no?
2: No. I'm done with my investing. When are we getting, listen, but Cody, when are you coming out to film? I got the girls lined up for my haircut. When are
0: oh, we, oh, God. When are you, <laughs> are you coming out to film? I got the girls lined up. Oh, okay, to I'm cut fine. your hair. Yeah, okay.
3: Right. Yeah, I get significantly less excited yeah, well, when first he finishes the
2: sentence. Who said anything about cutting hair?
0: <laughs>
3: right.
2: What's the matter with you guys? You see, you talk about the hottest male athletes, you forget ah. everything else. You forget what you're about. This is not good. Right? You're Can right. you get back in the game, please?
0: <laughs> got to get back uh, on the. Twenty uh,
2: twenty's
4: uh, been rough on what us, right? What Ray?
2: the fuck yeah. is going it's on right I gotta I gotta get out of here. All right, I man. Hope-
0: hey. Merry Christmas. Happy new year. We will talk to you Sunday, January 3rd, the sixth annual Anakin Florian podcast awards. And uh, hopefully you have some news for us on Al Jermaine Sterling by then, my man.
2: Yeah, he'll be back. Uh, He's coming back next week. So Weidman's back for a couple of weeks and then Al Joe's coming. He's got to do that wrestling. Uh, I think he's wrestling somebody uh, on the 18th, like wrestling and jujitsu, which should be interesting. Um, and that's it. Yeah. So yeah. we'll 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 get back to you with something. I'm sure band we're gonna, back together. Yeah, we're getting the band back together for the holidays.
0: All right, man. Well, uh, we appreciate all your contributions. The check actually is in the mail this time. And uh we love you. We'll talk to you in uh in two weeks and uh send my best to Mirab, a higher ceiling than all those other guys you mentioned, anyways. So. We'll do. He's right.
2: the man. Happy New Year, see you soon. There it is. Thank Great,
0: very long ago who I know doesn't listen back to the show. So I can say what's up with the lettuce, man. Right. Like one, one side, you can see the ear, the other side. I mean that, I don't know, man. I don't know.
3: Well, If girls, I go out there with a camera, I'm going to recreate the scene from dark Knight with the Joker with his hair at the window. He's like, yes, just floating.
0: No, that'd be perfect. You got it. i telling you, stop eating the fucking poisonous plants. Right. I mean, what is going on with that? And the girls love long hair. That's the thing. Um, they love long hair. All right. Before we get on out of here and get Cody's NFL pick, God help the, uh, the listeners who have tailed Cody Merrow in 2020. <laughs> uh, so the Anakin Florian podcast awards labor of love. So I'm going to rip through these categories, spend 30 seconds or a minute max on each one. And uh, thankfully, we have covered hottest male fighter at this point in time, but rookie of the year. Okay. And again, prerequisite has to be that they made their UFC debut in 2020. So there's certainly some fighters who maybe are super young or you consider them a rookie, but if they fought in December of 2019, they are eliminated. And by the way, anybody who is listening or watching this, if you have fighters or nominees that we have left out, by all means, fire away before the award show on Sunday, January 3rd at Anik Florian Pod. Rookie of the year. I'm going to throw out some names, Ken Floyd, and perhaps uh, you can find a name in here and you have a little lean for us. Yuri Prohaska, Joaquin Buckley, Kamzat Chimaev, Brandon Royval, Munir Lizzez, and Miranda Maverick. So I feel like Miranda Maverick is the closest to a championship level fighter that I saw as a rookie this year. I mean, certainly Kamzat Chimaev is going to be a guy who takes a lot of the hardware. Prohaska only fought once, but I think... His ceiling is super high. Buckley did have the one loss this year, so I think that hurts his candidacy, right. but a big year for him as well. Roy Vall had the loss as well. Oh. Munir Lizez just one appearance on Fight Island, and he was sort of upstaged by Hamzat Shimaev. But for me, Miranda Maverick, I think, is the second or third best flyweight in the world right now, and at least sitting here two weeks out, she's probably going to be my pick for Rookie of the Year.
4: Well, she she had my uh my machelettes hot when she hit that up elbow. Was, yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. just vicious. I love it. Um, so yeah, she's a front runner, but uh, yeah, and I love all those names that you mentioned. I have a few of those guys on my list. Uh, Royval, uh, Lizzez, all those guys. I, I want to see more activity. Uh, so for me, you know, how do you not have Hamzat Chumayev on there, kind of leading the way? But uh, certainly between her, uh, between him and uh, Maverick, Miranda Maverick, uh,
0: it's close. Yeah, Chimaev, we can't both pick the same guy or girl. Man or woman. So right. uh if you're going with Chimaev, I have to land on somebody else. So uh yeah. we'll see who takes the rookie of the year hardware. And again, at Anna Florian Pot, if we left out somebody, so many newcomers coming in on short notice and otherwise that inevitably we have left somebody out of that category. All right, so our Robert Fallis cornerman of the year as we annually honor the late great Robert Fallis. We talked about it a little bit with Ray. Kenny, we talked about this earlier. Eugene Behrman's gonna be a hard guy to unsee, right? I mean, like if you're really trying to give this award as a meritocracy and not just like me trying to, you know, give everybody some shine, like he's a hard dude to unseat in this category. No question. I mean, typically, you know, I'm always going to lean towards
4: quality over quantity, but this guy has quality and quantity. I mean, everything he says is well thought out in the corner. He knows exactly what his his fighter needs to do, uh, the adjustments that they need to make. Um, and, and just a very thoughtful coach. Um, and you look at all the guys that are doing well from his team. It's going to be tough to unseat him. You have guys like Mike Brown from the American top team, uh, you know, Javier Mendez that we talked about earlier,
0: what he did with, you know, Habib. But uh, yeah, for me, Eugene is is leading the way. You got to think Eugene's getting a belt from one of us in two weeks time. Conan Silvera, I think is the guy that I learned the most from this year as a coach, just inside conversations and just talking through the Felicia Spencer strategy for Amanda Nunez, just, a wealth of knowledge. So he's going to get some consideration for me and also James Krause developmentally what he's done with young fighters and just his overall commitment to coaching, I think, deserves some uh, acknowledgement. And I know I'm not alone when it comes to our listeners who have suggested uh, James Krause Uh, Our Adam Snacks Geller male fighter of the year uh, named in honor of our, our fallen friend who was a mixed martial arts encyclopedia, Adam Snacks Geller. Israel Adesanya, Jan Blachowicz, Davison Figueiredo, Charles Oliveira, Kamaru Usman, Pyotr Jan, Khabib Nurmagomedov, Stepe Miacic. Now, Kevin Holland went 5-0 and oh in 2020. I kind of start with the champions, so that's why you sort of hear yeah. that lean from me. So uh, I don't know. Who piques your interest for Male Fighter of the Year in 2020?
4: Jeez, you know, there there are a few of them. Um, you know, certainly Khabib Nurmagomedov, you know, he only had one fight, but You know, you look at who they matched him up against in Justin Gaethje, an excellent wrestler with crazy knockout power. That was going to be the guy or supposed to be the guy uh, to give him the toughest matchup. And it just didn't happen. Not only did he beat Gaethje, he made it look easy, uh, you know, completing, you know, an undefeated uh, career uh, so far. You know, he may come back, but uh, 29 and 0 and then having to deal with the death of his father during these times, it's all it was an awful situation for him. And he still passed all those tests with flying colors. So Habib is one of the guys, although he he wasn't as active as some of the other guys. Um, is there Israel Adesanya? Another guy went 1-0, but again, made it look easy against the, another guy who was supposed to be
0: a tough challenge. So, you know, those two champs for me, man, are looking good. The activity thing is tough. I hadn't really thought about that. Adesanya did fight twice. He had the Romero fight as well. So oh, that two was in 24. Okay. My bad. But You're right. Like for Khabib Nurmagomedov and Pyotr Jan and Stipe, all champions with great singular wins, but having competed only once, I'll tell you right now, Jan Bohovic is my fighter of the year. It's the only one I'm going to actually reveal today. I'll make the case in a couple weeks, but, uh, Jan Bohovich for me. Uh, getting all the hardware for uh, 2020 fighter of the year, female fighter of the year. I got the champions in the UFC, Ken Flo, Amanda Nunez, Valentina Shevchenko, Zhang Wei Li, uh, Yan Xiaonan hasn't lost a fight since 2010. For me, Shevchenko's got the two appearances as opposed to the one for the other two. So uh, I don't know. Anybody I'm leaving out or can we move on? I'd say
4: Shevchenko and Zhang Wei Li are, are my front, front front runners right now. They're killing it.
0: Yeah. Uh, fight of the year. So Jean-Way Lee versus Ioana Young-Jacek seemed to be the consensus pick. And then you had Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno turn in a fight of the year contender uh, about a week ago. Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. I would say the second round of that fight was the best round of the year that I saw. Josh Emmett versus Shane Burgos, certainly a yes. nominee. Marvin Vittori versus Jack Hermanson. Uh, you got anything for us on fight of the year? You, you got them all really, man. Um, you know, it, it's not as
4: easy to, of, of a pick. Uh, I think, first of all, you're talking about, you know, the, the the drama of the fight. You know, what did that bring to the table? How competitive it was? Uh, you know, the back and forth action, how technical of a fight was it? Um, you know, how much damage did both those guys do on each other? Um you know, was it a fight that took place everywhere in the mat? So th- there's a lot of different criteria for me, but, uh, we have some uh,
0: amazing, uh, ones to pick from that's for sure. Uh, yeah. Back and forth, I think has to be a consideration. You can't yeah. necessarily sweep the floor with your opponent and then the stakes as well. It's hard yes. not to, uh, lean to a title fight with respect to, uh, like a three rounder between Emmett and Burgos breakout star of the year. We talked about this before the show, right? You can either go with somebody like Davison Figueredo, who sort of vaults to superstardom, yep. or maybe a guy like Kevin Holland, who goes five and zero. Oh. You know, Chimaev is is our rookie of the year guy, so uh, maybe not getting consideration here. What do you have for us on breakout star of the year?
4: You know, um, you know, Davis definitely is in the conversation for me uh, with. with not only his activity, but the, the way that he's performed and how he's become this very dominant champion. Now, uh, Piotr Jan, uh, is a guy who had an excellent year. Uh, yeah. is looking very strong. I mean, beating a legend like Jose Aldo is no joke. Uh, and the other guy, who's not a champion and probably will be fighting for the belt shortly is Gilbert Burns. Look at the way that he turned around his career, his activity. I mean, this guy wanted to fight every single week. And you look at the the kind of guys that he went out there and beat Damian Maia, you know, the Gunnar Nelson. All these guys that he beat were very high level. He's gone undefeated uh, for a while. So, uh, you know, I put Gil-
0: Gilbert Burns into the conversation as well. I love that injection uh, team of the year. We will solicit fan appreciation here. City kickboxing, Team Figueredo, American top team, old reliables, some new ones as well. Feel free to fire those along. Fortis MMA. The Jeff Neal loss is sort of hard for them totality wise. Upset of the year, uh, shot Dobson over Maria Agapova. Julian Eros on short notice against Sean Woodson. Upset of the year is an interesting category And Ken Flo. I would like you to share with the masses your exceptional choice for upset of the year for 2020 because I hadn't thought about this And I think it's the best choice that I have heard. Well, listen, Edmund
4: Shabazian was coming in with uh, just a lot of hype and was looking pretty unbeatable in the middleweight division. And he took on Derek Brunson, who I think a lot of people, you know, see as kind of a gatekeeper. Um, And they thought that uh, it was only a matter of time uh, before Edmund Shabazian was going to go out there and do work on Derek Brunson. Um, Derek Brunson had other plans. He went out there, not only beat Shabazian, He made it look dominant and basically shut us all up. So Derek Brunson's
0: got to be in there for upset of the year for me. Absolutely love it. Knockout of the year, I feel like, is the most competitive category. And yes, one of us will will give a belt to Joaquin Buckley for what he did to Impa Kasanganai. The Kevin Holland knockout of Jacques de Souza was recent, as was Jordan Levitt's slam of Matt Wyman. Yes, I kind of feel like uh, the Monkey King deserves yeah. some consideration. Francis Ngannou versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike Cody Garbrand against Rafaela Sunao. Same card, UFC 250, Sean O'Malley against Eddie Wineland, Conor yep. McGregor with the shoulder strikes and everything else against Donald Cerrone, uh, Chaos Williams against Abdul Razak Al Hassan, Calvin Cater against Jeremy Stevens, on and on it goes. Submission of the year. Not as many, I mean, Aljamain Sterling for me is probably going to get the trophy given what he did to Corey Sanhagen and the stakes of that yep. fight and how quickly it happened. Khabib against Gaethje, Figueredo over Benavidez. I mean, one of us probably needs to fucking give that guy a trophy for that. Mackenzie Durham with the knee bar on Hannah Cyphers. Um, most memorable moment of the year and then most likely non-champion right now to be champion in 2021. I guess you probably start with guys like Gilbert Burns, Brian Ortega, Aljamain Sterling, competitive title challengers who, who you know are getting a crack, but, uh, who do you think that isn't belted right now is going to be a UFC champion at some point next year? Chase.
4: Well, um, I think, and and we kind of jumped over, I I think Aljo, uh, not only should be considered for this, uh, category, but also that's the mission of the year as well. No doubt. Uh, against, uh, yeah, Sanhagen. So yeah, no, I think um Aljo And now I'm going to say Adesanya and everyone's going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? He's already a champ in the middleweight division. Yes.
0: In the middleweight division, but right. not at two Oh five, which could happen as well, which would be insane. And that's a prediction. So if you're trying to get it right, that's a good call. And uh, somebody else suggested Brandon Moreno, right? Because he'll have time yes. as Greta will, but those two presumably will run it back. And then Francis Ngannou and Conor McGregor, because Conor McGregor and Cody, I'll get to you in a second. Conor McGregor, if he beats Dustin Poirier, probably going to fight for the undisputed UFC lightweight title. So Conor, I think, factors prominently in that equation. Um, And then Francis Ngannou, for obvious reasons. Cody, am I leaving anybody out, my
3: friend? I mean, if we're going to use Ken Flo's logic, when was the last time John Jones wasn't a champion? So John Jones is a possibility for a 2021 champion who does not currently have a belt.
0: 100%. Very interesting. The only thing he would need to do is fight twice because Dana has suggested that Francis Ngannou is getting the next title fight. And I just think that if Stipe, Stipe's fought once in 17, once in 18 or once in 18, once in 19, once in 20. So we'll see if Stipe could fight twice or if, you know, if Ngannou the champion, then that belt's going to be defended uh, far more frequently, uh, if not monthly. Um, all right. We will end with this one. Dream matchup for 2021. And I wish I could credit this listener because he suggested Colby Covington versus Hamzat Chimaev, fucking category case closed. Like that's the (laughs) matchup, right? I mean, certainly Covington and Jorge Masvidal whets my appetite, love to wet my beak, whatever the saying is. But dude, Hamzat Chimaev and Colby Covington, a little preamble to that one. Are you kidding me? Sign me up. I love it.
4: I love it. What do you got? I had a couple, you know, obviously there's the Jones versus Adesanya nothing original there. Uh, And and another unoriginal one, of course, would be if uh, Habib Nurmagomedov and uh, Conor McGregor go, go at it for a rematch. I mean, I want to see it. I I really want to see it because people kind of, you know, they're saying, Oh, you know, look at what he did to Gaethje, man. And look at what Conor did supposedly with the broken foot against Habib Nurmagomedov. You tell me that, that's not a possibility. Like, he absolutely has no chance whatsoever. Right. That's a fight that I think a lot of people would love to see. I, I would love to see it. Of course, Habib is going to be a, a favorite heading into that one, no doubt about it. But uh, just any time you get two of the
0: biggest names in there going oh, at it, why, why won't you try to see that again? Max Holloway versus Tony Ferguson, another fight that we oh. heard about at least on two occasions. I would like to see Henry yeah. Cejudo come back and fight Alexander Volkanovsky because yes. I just— I think that's a winnable fight for him. Aljo versus Piotr Jan, certainly hopeful that that will hold together. And then finally, anybody versus Islam Akasha for me, right? Because, and I think it was a listener who actually pointed out that that's the ticket to a fight with Khabib potentially, right? It's like, I would like to see one of these lightweights say, I think I have an idea as to how I can earn a fight with Khabib and want him to come back. I'm going to dust Islam Akasha, right? Because if you could beat that guy, then I think competitively that would give Khabib something to chew on. So um, I don't know if Alexander Hernandez is going to be next for him. I don't know if they're going to run back Islam Islamahashev and, and Rafael dos Anjos, as is rumored. But uh, either way, I think whoever beats Islam Islamahashev has a pretty good chance to fight. Like if you're dos good Anjos – I know. <laughs> yeah, right, right,
4: Not a whole lot of people raising their hands for that one, That's but uh,
0: yeah, I agree. All right, today's Pick to Click is brought to you by Odd Shark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to Shark and start playing like a shark today. That's OddsShark.com. Don't forget the second S. All right, week 15 in the NFL has already begun, but the Sunday slate begins in about 42 minutes. To that end, Cody Merrow. Who do you have for us today, my friend?
3: Hey, well, play at your own peril, as you said right off the top, but I'm going to have to continue with the New England pride and go against the Giants. Minus uh, The Browns are minus six and a half tonight. The lines moved all across the week, but I just see no way that the Giants can keep up with the Browns if they are trying to make any type of playoff run. They got to come out yeah. and smoke the Giants tonight on primetime. So got to be Browns minus six and a half.
0: Colt McCoy under center for your New York football Giants. Not inspiring confidence there with Cody Merrill.
3: No. And Freddie Kitchens across the sideline. So coaching against Baker, I think he gives the Browns another uh, a win from across the sideline.
0: All right. And I hate to do this wearing my Ken Flo shirt, but it's the Patriots fade. And I'm not doing this to try to buy a win. As you know, I oftentimes will do. But the Miami Dolphins, and I was actually going to take my daughters to the game, but uh, I have enough respect for COVID-19 that we are home watching the Patriots at the Miami Dolphins today. Historically hard place to play. It's seasonably cool outside today, right? I don't think weather's going to be a factor necessarily, but the Dolphins are going to be a factor. They're a better team. They're only laying one and a half at home. What am I missing with this betting line is the question. I love the Dolphins today if you have been – betting the dolphins this year and riding the dolphins with me on the pick to click. You have made money. So, uh, Brian Flores is Miami dolphins. The pick to click today, minus one and a half home to the new England Patriots. All right. We have two scheduled off weeks all year on the Anakin Florian podcast. Regrettably one of them is next week. So we are going to lick our wounds and we'll be back with you Sunday, January 3rd with the sixth annual Anakin Florian podcast awards. It'll be weird. Not, not seeing your face Ken Flo, but, uh, you know, We'll, well, you, you we'll deserve manage.
4: a break, my friend. You deserve a break. So enjoy it with the family, my man. And uh,
0: we will be back soon enough. All right. We appreciate everybody out there for listening, for watching, for subscribing, for liking the videos, for commenting, uh, whether it's audio or video form. Uh, it's been a big year for the show, and uh, we're hoping for bigger things in 2021 as well. Uh, thanks to Longo. Thanks to the Ducky and Parker. Thanks to all of you. Our executive producer is Cody Merrow. For Kenflow, Flo, I'm John Anik. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you in 2021. Until then, don't text and drive. Wear a mask if you like. Pat Milicic. Yo later. (laughs) Ha ha ha.
1: Hello, I am Dr. George Jesus Mesa, a clinical psychologist and collector of Chicano Latinx art. For generations, we have known of the healing powers of art at an individual and community level. Please join us as we interview prominent artists, collectors, curators, and influencers in the world of Chicano Latinx art. We will explore historical, regional, and political influences that impact Chicano Latinx art today. Along with our partners at www.latinoarte.com, we are preserving the colorful and rich history of Chicano Latinx art for future generations, one interview at a time. Please join us at Healing with Dr. George, the power of Chicano Latinx art, wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started.